Greetings, we're Technically a Conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, we take turns presenting a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. We strive to educate in a way that's loose and fun. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. Some of the topics we've covered include urban legends, civil rights activists, vampires, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult, spies and espionage, science and astronomy, and other weird and random things. If any of these topics interest you, give our podcast a shot. Listen and subscribe at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Parental advisory, we might use strong language. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. Uh, today, we've got a really interesting show. A few months back, you may remember, we didn't do a, cover a movie or a TV show, but we covered a topic talking about superhero politics. And today, we're going to be doing another type of topic-based episode because uh, I recently came into contact with a romance author who's also a fan of superhero movies. So I thought this would be a really interesting topic to talk about, and we'll be talking about the idea of romance and superheroes and all of that stuff that's kind of connected with that. And that is YM Nelson. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about you, Perry? I'm doing good. Well, thanks for agreeing to come onto the show and uh, for agreeing to come onto this topic that just kind of came to me off the top of my head when we were discussing. I stuff. love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we jump into the topic, though, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? All right, great. Hi, everybody. I'm Y.M. Nelson. I'm a contemporary romance and romantic women's fiction author. I also created and I host the Nerdy Romantics podcast. It is a reader, kind of reader entertainment based uh, focused podcast. And it really started out of my love of nerd pop culture. I'm going to put that in quotes because I don't know if that's like a real thing or if I'm. It's just a real thing. That up. No, no, okay, it's a good. Real thing. You're, you're good. Great. I'm so happy. Um, so I love nerd pop culture, but I also love love stories, and um, so I just wanted to kind of talk about that at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's why I created the uh, the podcast. I am a diehard. I'm going to say TNG and thereafter Trekkie. Um, I have love for the OG Star Trek, but I haven't watched a lot of those episodes. Um, But as far as superhero goes, I grew up on the X-Men cartoon. Mm, Yeah, same here. And yeah, and the... There was also a cartoon out when I was a kid called Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? (laughs) And... um. I, I know I'm thinking that's not from an actual comic book. They made that for TV and then they did the comic book after. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of. Um, yeah. So the, the show was, um, it was actually originally supposed to be the human torch in it. Uh, but because yeah. of its issues, they couldn't get him. So they created Firestar for the, right. for the show. And then later she My got favorite character, by the and way. And then she, Oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then later she got introduced in the comics. Um, I think in, um, 
uh, New Mutants or X-Men. And then she became a member of the New Warriors and later the Avengers. And I think now she's with the X-Men. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% up to date on um, what she's been up to lately. But they didn't necessarily have like an amazing Friends comic book, but they've done kind of like callbacks to it in the comic books. The the Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man comic, they had this right. period where like you had Iceman and Firestar in it for a brief period. And they've done a few other like little callbacks to it here and there. Oh, that's cool. That is so cool. I, I will say for your audience, uh, my audience kind of knows that uh, I'm not a comic book reader, but I consider comic books like canon. If, if there mm. were no comic books, then we wouldn't have all these right. amazing films. So, right. um, you know, there are times when I'm watching those films and watching the TV shows and I feel like I just have to go and research. I have to go and find out, was this in the comic book? Mm -hmm. What was this like? Did this really happen? And so uh, I, I'm kind of a little bit nerdy like that, but um, but yeah, a little bit more about me. I, I pretty much have been writing since I was 12. And so I've been writing romance and love story. Well, really love stories since I was 12. And I've also had this kind of nerd bent a little bit and they did not combine until like, you know, kind of recently when um, a high school friend of mine um, wrote, she wrote a fantasy romance series called the Seodrassian Ceod Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's got two books out of it now. Um, her name is Bethany DeVores, by the way. And um, when she was writing those books, she had her heroine of those books be a gamer. That's mm -hmm. like what she did as like her job. She was a gamer. And I was like, this is really cool. I think I need to kind of mesh my my passions a little bit here. And so, um, you know, since then, I found there's really like a whole subgenre of geek romance out mm -hmm. there. And, you know, they're doing everything from gaming to talking about superheroes to talking about just geeking out on TV, cult, uh, old TV shows, TV culture, things like that. And so I found my happy place. So mm -hmm. here I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been interesting because it, traditionally, um, and you probably felt this too growing up uh, that I did too, is that there's like this separation between the geek stuff and the romance stuff. Yes. And, and never the twain shall meet is kind of right. like the, what we've always been led to believe. But in the past few years, I, I've also noticed this increasing like union of the two. Um, I yeah. think- I think we could probably credit, if I was going to find something to actually credit it, I think you could probably look at stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Vampire yeah. Diaries, and that exactly. whole paranormal romance thing is kind of like bridge the gap between those two. That's what did it. I think that's what did it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and but it's funny when you think about it, because you go back to even the earliest superhero stories, there's always been romance so heavily baked Of course. Into it. I mean- <laughs> Stan Lee and Chris Claremont, when they were writing their comics, they heavily based it on on soap operas. So oh, all that, wow. stuff, yeah, yeah. So I all did that not stuff, know that. Oh, I mean, that's probably why you were attracted to the X Men in the first place was all the soap opera dynamics. Oh yes, yes, yeah. it's it's total soap opera dynamics. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's in and Stan Lee's Spider Man was the same thing. It was soap opera with occasional superheroes thrown in. 
And oh, so wow. you've yeah. had all this stuff into it. Yeah, yeah. So it's always just been so heavily baked into the concept. And yet it's still something that people are just now starting to realize. It's kind of funny when you think about it that way. Yeah, yeah, it really is. But I'm glad people are starting to think about it that mm -hmm. way because, you know, it, it it's just a cool place to be. <laughs> At least for me, it is. And um, <laughs> about your, your pub I didn't look too much into your publishing work. Sorry about that. But are you uh, independently published or traditionally? Right now, um, I'm looking towards doing self-publishing. Okay. Um, I haven't put anything out. My debut novel right now is in a couple of contests right now. So okay. it hasn't actually been published. So that's why I would probably say I'm not mm -hmm. really sure if I'm going to independent or or trad, but my bent is towards independent publishing. And I did self-publish a short story series, um, you know, and I, I like that. I kind of like that avenue. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't get picked up um, traditionally, it will be self-published. Yeah, I've been self-publishing for over 10 years now. So I definitely know what that's like. Uh, oh, but I yeah. think the reason I bring that up is because I think that's another place where a lot of this um, recognition has come from because oh, right. in, in the traditional oh. world, you know, you've got this idea of we have to hit the broadest possible demographic so we can't get mm -hmm. too niche. Whereas self-publishers, we can afford to, to be more niche with stuff because we don't have the we don't have to meet the big margins that the the bigger publishers have to meet. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's where you, you know, that's where you find all the to me and that's kind of where you find that whole nexus of um nerd pop culture and and uh, romance. Absolutely, it, it, to yeah. me, that's where a lot of those good authors or they at least started indie even if they didn't completely mm -hmm. stay indie they at least started indie right um you know so yeah and it, and it's just like you said it's because we could just do more yeah yeah <laughs> we don't <laughs> we have to worry about anybody about exactly. ourselves <laughs> exactly yeah yeah that's one of the nice things about it uh but so we're talking about superhero romance and obviously you know there's always that question of the who, the superhero and their love interest, right? Superman has mm -hmm. Lois Lane, Spider-Man has Mary Jane, Batman has whoever at the time. It's always been a little bit... Right. Yeah. <laughs> but there's yeah. always been like some sort of love interest character and like all the way back to, to the original Superman comics. Um, so first thing I want to talk about is what are some of your favorite superhero romances from the, cause I know you're mostly familiar with, with just the movies and the TV show. What are some of your favorites? Mm -hmm. The ones that you think really stand out? Um, for me, my favorite growing up was the whole rogue gambit combination from X-Men. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I just love their whole dynamic. If I'm looking back at it now, I would probably say it was kind of a friends to lovers kind of thing going on there. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, as far as the comic, it didn't get very far because the the their romance necessarily didn't get. I'm, I'm as far as the cartoon. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't get very far because they're secondary characters on the cartoon, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but you you know you kind of see it happening and. It's always kind of made me wonder in the comic, did they really like get together? Did they get married? What happened there? Um, but I just love them together. That's always yeah. been kind of my favorite. They officially, they finally officially got married uh, a few years ago. 
So, oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and she finally ended up getting control of her powers and all that stuff. So oh, that happened. Uh, yeah, that happened a few years back. They they went back and forth a few times. There was some there's like on again, off again periods, obviously. And then mm-hmm. um, and then finally, a few years ago, it just kind of like they settled everything and then got together permanently. So they had their their happily ever after. In fact, they had um, uh, there was a they they were they had their own um series together for a time at first it was called oh, rogan gambit and then after they got married it was called mr and mrs x was the name of the title i love it oh my gosh I'm, oh i'm geeking out right now that is so awesome i love that um and i guess I, what i will say for now now my um and this is really just totally 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 recently because I just watched the Batman. We did a review on my podcast um, that is not out yet at this recording, but I love, and I've always kind of loved this, um, but I especially love the way that it's done in the Batman um, is the whole Batman, Catwoman, you know, kind of dynamic, Batman, Selena Kyle mm-hmm. kind of dynamic is really what they have going on because she's not officially Catwoman there, but, you know. She basically is, though. She basically yeah, is, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kept lo- calling her Selena, and I was like, just call her Catwoman, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it was just getting on my nerves. But but, uh, but I love that dynamic in that particular movie because of the layers. And, and to me, this is where I think... Um, you know, comic books and where romance really meet is because they're very much character driven. Right. It's all about character. And yes, there's a lot of cool action adventure stuff. There, There's, you know, other plot stuff in romance that happens. Um, but it's really character driven. And that's kind of what you've been as a romance author, what you've been told all along is to write in a series. Mm-hmm. And part of the whole series <laughs> thing is because people want to see these characters again. It's not necessarily because they want to see them do X and Y and Z and all that kind of stuff, but it's because they fall in love with these characters. And for me, what happened in the Batman that I have not seen in any other Batman movie um is the fact that they had layers mm-hmm. you know they had very complex <clears throat> layers and you see this a lot with batman but you don't necessarily see it with catwoman she's just this sultry slinky person that right going around and she's a cat burglar and 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 she has two dimensions and a lot of things but you know that that's not really just what she is she has layers she has depth she has backstory and you start to see that in in um the batman and that is what made me really love the whole electricity of them together it's because um they're foil to me they're foils of each other Mm -hmm. you know batman is this complex character he's going through a lot of things and it's exacerbated by the fact that he's got these very different personalities. As Batman, he is one thing, and and as Bruce Wayne, he's another thing. But they and they fight, and those those two personalities kind of fight each other at times. Right. And 
you know, you <clears throat> see that whole complexity happen there, but you also see it on the other side with Selena. You have, you know, she wants to, you know, fight the good fight, but she doesn't want to fight it in a good way. Necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay, we're not going to do this the way you want to do it, you know? Um, and so that whole dynamic and that attraction is just, it's just magnified and it's just, it's delicious to watch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> also Zoe Kravitz. I mean, my God, I will watch that, that actress do anything. She's amazing. Right. <clears throat> oh my gosh. She's uh, totally amazing. Did you see her in the, she did the, the high fidelity reboot series on who yes! she was amazing yes! in that. Like, I mean. I, totally. when, I, when I heard about that, I'm like, really? You're remaking High Fidelity? Okay. But I gave yeah. it a chance and oh my God, that she was so, I wish that show got another season because she was amazing. I know. I know. Um, I, I was talking about that with, with my co-hosts after we, after we stopped recording, we were like, you know, we talked a little bit about it on the podcast, but then we, you know, you know, we were talking mm -hmm. forever. So, um, you know, after that, we, talked about you know what she's done and, and then there's you know been a couple of things that she's done and it's like you know i didn't necessarily like this this particular movie but i liked her in it mm -hmm. you know but we definitely talked about high fidelity oh gosh she was amazing yeah. in high fidelity yeah. she was actually she was so amazing and um, I will say I'm probably old enough to have watched the John Cusack uh, version, uh, but I have not. Um, oh, really? Oh, you should watch it. I have, I have it. But, uh, but I will say that after I watched um, her do High Fidelity, I went back to the and tried to read the book. Oh, okay. And it's, and it's not the same thing. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where, where's the Zoe Sparkle? <laughs> you know, it's like, she, it is because she wasn't in that. that, that yeah, because she brought that but, to herself. Yeah. She really did. She's amazing. She's and totally also, amazing. Um, and her mom's in high, in high, the original High Fidelity. Lisa Bonet. Oh, Bonet's she is. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. So it's a nice little. I've got to uh, watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Her, she's, her mom's got a really good role in that. She's, she does a really good job in that. And it's, it's a it's a John Cusack classic, right? He's 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 great in that. Um, it's like him just and he he put his and very much like she put her own stamp on the series. John Cusack right. very much put his own stamp on the movie because the book oh, you know wow. was okay. set in in London, I believe. And mm -hmm. John Cusack's the reason it got moved to Chicago because he's from there. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, that and she was so good taking it back to the Batman, like she. She's definitely my favorite Catwoman. Like I, Michelle Pfeiffer yes. is is classic, right? You know, but but um, as especially when you compare it to the comics, like nobody has come closer to really grasping those yes. different layers, like you were talking about the way Zoe Kravitz has, like, and the way she is this, you know, somewhat of a partner, but also somewhat of a foil, which was handled mm -hmm. so much better here than it was in any of the other movies. They kind of touched on that a little bit in, you know, the dark Knight rises with Anne Hathaway. They kind of right. touched on it a little bit in Batman returns, but still at the same time, she's basically helping the main villain too. In right. those movies. Whereas exactly. this, there's none of that in this movie. It's just, you know, she's pursuing them, but she's got her own agenda to pursue them. And it, it adds a whole new complexity to what's happening in the story. 
Yeah, it really does. It really does. And it really kind of makes you see, wow, this character has been under um, represented mm -hmm. <laughs> in almost just about every way that I've seen, yeah. you know, this character. She's just been totally underrepresented. And, um, you know, the fact that there have been literal movies made just from the Catwoman character, but they haven't even touched on this stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just mind boggling to me. And I'm just like, I can see um, a Catwoman movie being made. Oh, yeah. If absolutely. she does it. Yes. If she yes. does it. Yeah. You know, and and if they get, you know, kind of the same, you know, production team and directors and everything. Um, I can see that being done and it not being, you know, a joke mm -hmm. like that was the other ones. Were. Yeah, it is. That was my first thought walking out. It's like not the Batman, too, but I want to see the Catwoman movie with uh, Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm waiting for it now. Um, <laughs> for, for me, one of my favorite um, current superhero romances is um, have you watched Superman and Lois at all? I have not yet. Okay, so but that yeah, is... I've seen I've seen kind of the um, I've seen kind of where they're going with it on some other DC shows, mm -hmm. um, CW shows, um, but I haven't watched that show yet. Oh, yeah. you got to watch that. That's really good. And one of the things I really like about it is it it so much feels like an an adult relationship. Like yes, they, it's, yes, it's, I will they... I, I will agree with you on that because uh. I think, uh, what was the last crossover that they did? Um, Infinite um, Earths? Oh, Christ on Infinite Earths, yeah. Yeah, so I think they were part of that, that yeah, Christ yeah. on Infinite Earths. And I totally got that feel as well. Well, yeah, know? there's that, there were that, <laughs> speaking of that, I love how there are these scenes when Elizabeth Tullock's Lois Lane, whenever she meets these other supermen, right? When she sees Brandon Routh or when she sees Tom Welling, she's kind of looks like, oh, wow, look at that guy. Look at how, how <laughs> right? And then uh, Tyler Hoechlin's like, really? <laughs> but, <laughs> right. <laughs> but what I loved about it is there's no petty jealousy about it, right? He doesn't get jealous and like start like, you know, you know, arguing with Brandon Routh or Tom Welling about any of that. Like there's none, he's, mm -hmm. he's just more like excited that there are more versions of him in the multiverse. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, on the TV show, they, there's a lot more of that because the whole, you know, the whole thing is devoted to the whole fact about them being parents and, you know, raising kids and mm -hmm. everything like that. And, and there's this one great scene that I think really summed up when <clears throat> Clark, tells her she asked Clark to do something to be there and he ends up having to skip it because he's got to do Superman stuff and he comes back and you know he apologized like I'm sorry you know I know and she's like <clears throat> and she's and she says to him she's like look I know you had to do your Superman thing I know it's stupid for me to be upset about it and I understand all that but I'm still I, I just need a minute yeah. and that was just such a perfect because, you know, you see that ha that trope, that's one of the tropes we'll probably talk about, is the fact about the superhero missing out on something because he's got to do superhero stuff. And then the the love interest being mad at them for that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and on the one hand, you think, okay, yeah, I kind of get that you're mad that he wasn't where he was supposed to be. But on the other hand, you know, he was saving a bus of school kids. So give the guy right. a break. <laughs> right.
way. So I thought that moment was handled so well in that series when she's like, I know you had to do this. I know people's lives were at risk and I understand all that intellectually, but I'm still mad about it and I just need a minute. And I thought that yeah. was such a perfect way, adult way of handling that situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, with that, with that whole trope of like the superhero and the love interest who's most of the time not super mm. <laughs> or not doesn't have any kind of powers in any way i think the kind of closest trope for that in in romance is or the closest kind of character trope is the celebrity regular person mm -hmm. um you know kind of mix and and there are several there are several that are out now that are just um you know it just seems like it's a lot more of them out now. Mm -hmm. And um, and I see a lot of that kind of, that whole dynamic between the superhero and the not superhero. And, um, you know, as far as romances go. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes they're done well. Sometimes it's like, <laughs> what 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 did you do here um <laughs> wait a minute this is not you know i think the ones that are more so grounded kind of like you're talking about with superman and lois the ones that are kind of grounded in reality even though being a superhero is not reality necessarily mm -hmm. it's kind of grounded in reality it's those that kind of make the romance part of it cooler mm -hmm. it just it makes it like more authentic i guess and um you kind of have to have those moments you yeah. have to have those those grounding adult moments to keep readers in the romance story if you're doing a, a romance novel um with like a celebrity regular person pairing um you have to have those kind of grounding moments like that where they can relate to them and the same thing with um, you know, with superhero, not superhero, mm -hmm. those little moments, those are the ones that, you know, make me think, wow, yeah, I mean, there really could be a Superman out there. And yeah, there really could be this dynamic going on. Right. Yeah. And you also, it's also strikes me as like having to be a very fine line you have to toe because you don't want the love interest mm -hmm. to seem unreasonable. Even if they've got a good reason to be to be mad, because I think right, and you can push that too far. And I think the the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies they did that with Mary Jane, especially in in Spider Man Three at the beginning, mm -hmm. um, where she's getting very you know she's getting these bad reviews, and he's trying to say, look, I understand what you're going through because I get you know I've had people massacring me in the newspaper as Spider Man, and all right. this for years, and and she's just being, and she's just she's saying it's not about you it's not about you and right and she's just pushing it too far and then you're just thinking like you know he's trying to help you out here and you're not responding exactly exactly it's you know i think those with those movies and their and that dynamic it it was a little over the top mm -hmm. kind of it was yeah. a little and that that's that's the whole authenticity thing that kind of takes you out right of this being like a real relationship versus this just being something that the superhero is and going i think through. i think part of that is because of the director because sam raimi's a very over-the-top director which works mm -hmm. really well when mm -hmm. you're doing something like in the multiverse of madness which he was a which he did amazing with or if you're doing like 
you know, Drag Me to Hell or the Evil Dead movies, right? Being over the top right. works great there. But when you're trying exactly. to when you're trying to portray um, a romance and have it be like this slice of verisimilitude in the movie, and you're trying to be over the top of it, it doesn't work so well then. Uh, right, exactly. And it's you know, it's kind of funny because like the the Spider Man movies now with um, you know Spider Man and MJ and mm -hmm. you know what's happening there although i didn't see i haven't seen the last one yet oh you got to see that oh gosh yeah. i'm like dying to see this last movie i'm like you know but covid has really uh scared the bejesus out of me so mm. i haven't been theater anything and you know so it it's should be kinda... uh it's for rent now because i picked it up on itunes oh good yeah good i'm glad okay i'm gonna then i'm gonna see it yeah, yeah. <laughs> very um, soon but speaking of Spider-Man, the um, I actually I actually want to mention this because I thought another romance that was handled really well was um, in the Amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Yes, um, that was just like pitch perfect chemistry, right? Yes. Like that just it just like sizzled off on the screen watching the two of them together, which is yeah. why they, which is why you could see why the two of them ended up dating in real life because they had such perfect chemistry there. They did. They did. I, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, I, I actually think that's kind of part of the whole thing is, is that chemistry on screen, it has to, I mean, that chemistry on screen, maybe even off screen too, the chemistry between the actors has to be there because the actors are doing these outlandish things. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Spider-Man's, you know, swinging around and climbing on buildings and all right. this other kind of stuff. So you have to have those, that that's part of the whole, I think, grounding part. Yeah. If you don't have it in story, at least have that chemistry between characters happen so we can kind of feel it through the screen, in mm -hmm. other words. Yeah. You know? And I think that's that's kind of, you know, that's kind of uh, what makes those things sing. And and then the newer Spider-Man, I, I think that's what make they, I think that's what makes them um, those two come together and 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 that whole relationship mm -hmm. thing um, is that is that chemistry? Yeah, you know. Um, so let's talk about some of those those tropes. Like, what are some of the tropes of romance that you think are handled really well in, in superhero stories, and ones that maybe not so well? I'm going to say my first one, maybe that was done, I think, not so well, um, is that whole love triangle mm -hmm. kind of um, it trope. Um, right now, it's not a very popular trope. A lot of, if you, if you, uh, you know, go to some, you know, very famous search engine book places, which will not be named, um, <laughs> and type in love triangle romance, you're going to get a lot of uh, love triangle romances that are pro that are indie that are under that that are kind of you've never heard of these authors before there are a lot of mm -hmm. romance indie authors out there who are very well known and a lot of them are not doing love triangles right now um 
they used to be really big when I was a kid. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know why, not so much now. Um, but one, and maybe it's because they're, you know, it's it's kind of a weird thing. Somebody's going to be, if there's a happily ever after, somebody's going to be left out in the cold and a love yeah. triangle. Yeah. Unless you got some kind of alternate, you know, something going on. Right. <laughs> um, an alternate lifestyle. <laughs> but somebody's going to be kind of left out in cold. So it's, it's kind of that whole, the love triangle thing kind of is one of those tropes that it kind of doesn't work right now. And it didn't, doesn't really work in the comics either. And the main one I'm thinking about is the whole Wolverine, Jean Grey, you know, Scott Cyclops. Summers, mm. Cyclops, you know, love triangle kind of thing that happens, um, you know, that in the movie, in the movies, they, it was just not done well. Right. And um, to top it off, having Rogue be kind of, have this crush on Wolverine in the very beginning in that first X-Men and mm-hmm. maybe even the second one. I, I can't there was kind of a little ago. bit. It was, it was a little bit. It was obviously some sort of um, idolation for, towards him or something right. like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it's like to have that be on top of it. I'm like, Ugh, th- this is just not done well. I just, I, I don't. Uh, one of the big problems with I'm that too happy. is also that just, Cyclops in those movies was so underwritten, right? His character was just oh, very not, much. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I yeah. think if you're going to have a love triangle to make it interesting, you have to have all sides of that triangle be very well developed characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, he was underwritten, and um, and on top of that, he did not come off very well. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember him being this cocky jerk uh from the cartoon i just don't remember that he wasn't my favorite character ever but he just really did not come off well in those movies so it makes him unlikable as like a romantic hero you've got wolverine who basically is running the show because we're following his story to Mm -hmm. the x-men you know so it's like well he should get everything he wants (laughs) Right. <laughs> Which includes Jean Grey. <laughs> but that's not what happens. And we know that that's not what happens, you know. But it's, you know, when you see that kind of dynamic and, yeah, for him to be underwritten and maybe written poorly, it just, it makes that whole love triangle thing exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that trope. Um All right. Uh, so, what are some other tropes? Or, well, um, speaking of the love triangle thing, another one I want to talk about is is I think this is probably specific to superhero movies or superhero stories in general, where the 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 love triangle is the love interest and the superhero and their civilian identity. So, the whole Lois Clark Superman dynamic thing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's another one that I think has gotten kind of played out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 kind of gotten played out. And um and uh I will say there is one romance novel right now um that I'm actually reading right now that kind of does a little bit of that. The uh hero and heroine, they have um online profiles. Mm-hmm. 
and they don't know that they're each other they don't know who each other really is so and one uh and the hero is actually also a famous person so it's a celebrity regular person romance which to me is kind of comparable to the superhero you know regular love mm -hmm. interest but they also have these kind of secret identities going on where um you know even though the heroine is a fan and likes the hero you know doesn't necessarily like what they're doing as far as their identity online right um the name of that book is a uh, spoiler alert by olivia dade okay um but um you're right it you know that that's very rarely done and i you know for for romance that's almost never done mm -hmm. but um as far as superheroes go yeah it's kind of like played out because to me if a hero and heroine are going to get together or a superhero and a love interest is going to get together at some point because we see it and it's kind of it, it's very thinly veiled a lot mm -hmm. of times that this person is you know also this alternate superhero personality and so you know, for these people to supposedly be in love or supposed to be together, it's like, you should know some of this, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so it, and that's, and I think that's kind of why it get it's a little played out because the shenanigans that the superhero has to do to conceal their identity, you know, kind of become a little bit unbelievable, right? Right, and so yeah. If, and so if the love interest is this close to this person, then they should know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also it, it's something that has a shelf life because I remember, yes. I, did you watch Lois and Clark back in the day? Yes, I did. That's yes. like the, I love the, that show. That's like the perfect example I can think of because you have um, the whole premise of the show was all hung on the romance aspect, right? Yes. And so it's this idea of like, you know, it's a love triangle between Lois Clark and Superman. That was the whole driving right. point of the show. And as soon as Lois finds out Clark and Superman are the same person, then all of that drama suddenly is gone from the show. And, mm -hmm. and then they had to come out with increasingly, like you were saying, like increasingly outlandish reasons to, to keep things mm -hmm. going. Like Lois yep. was replaced by her clone at one point, or, and then she had amnesia and like all kind of nonsense like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, they did a little bit of that on the, uh, on the Wonder Woman live action show. They did a little bit of that kind of in the beginning where, you know, Wonder Woman and, you know, Steven mm -hmm. Trainer. Um, Yes, Trevor. So, um, you know, we're kind of like, they weren't together. And, you know, it's like, okay, Wonder Woman is, you know, it, it's just, it's so, but that was campy, right? right? Right. You know, and so to a certain extent, if you do it campy, you can kind of pull off a few things that you cannot do on something. Even with that Lois and Clark show, it was a little bit on the campsite, but it wasn't. You right. know, it was it was drama to, mm. to at least to me. It was it was dramatic. It was it was drama. It was it had a little bit of camp, but mm -hmm. it wasn't straight campy like um, you know, like Wonder Woman was. Right, so right. um, you know, it's 
it, it just becomes, you're right, it just becomes outlandish and it becomes harder and harder to do that whole love triangle when one person is really two people. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think a lot of the modern adaptations of Superman, they've shied away from that a lot, if you notice. Yes. Like in, in yeah. Smallville, you know, they Lois did. finds yeah. out that, you know, Clark has superpowers before he even becomes Superman. Um, right. In, in the Man of Steel series, right, she she knows he's, su- she finds out he's Superman right away. So there's no, like, you know, love triangle there at all. And I thought in Superman and Lois handled it a really well way. Because although he's keeping a secret from her at first, she doesn't go gaga for Superman. Like she's just actually kind of suspicious about Superman, but she's more attracted to Clark Kent actually. Mm-hmm. And so they okay. have a co- totally different spin on it where she's much more attracted to the man as opposed to Superman. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah. You, you just, you're just making this show even better. Oh, it's so I'm, good. It's so good. I've just got to tune in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, oh, you know, and even kind of, even kind of just the whole, I think, superhero regular person trope in mm-hmm. general, um, and it's romance equivalent, the celebrity regular person kind of trope. I think that whole trope, that's probably the biggest trope and the biggest similarity between the two. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I think there are a lot of instances where that is done really well. And, um, you know, you're, you're mentioning Superman and Lois, that, that whole, Mm -hmm. um, kind of dynamic. I think that's done really well. I like, um, I liked Iron Man and Pepper Potts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just, I love that, the way that was done. I was on the fence about Thor and Jane. Mm-hmm. I was on the fence about them. And I think that that's partly because I'm on the fence about Natalie Portman. Oh, I don't really? know why. <laughs> Not sure why. But um, now that I've seen the trailer for the new mm-hmm. Thor, Love and Thunder, yeah. yeah, I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be nice. I'm like, okay, I, I think I've got kind of a renewed interest here. I, I really want to see how this works out. Um, but yeah, I think that that trope or you know, that trope and the romance equivalent of that trope, I think that's probably done the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has a lot of good examples. So what do you think about the opposite of that trope when it's two superheroes getting together? So, for example, in the comics, uh, a few years back, it was Superman and Wonder Woman. You had Black Mm -hmm. Panther and Storm getting married in the comics uh, a few years back. Um, Batman and Catwoman, obviously, isn't the most famous one. What do you think of that that trope uh, compared to the superhero and the normal person? So to me, that trope falls more under for for me as an author, it falls more under a women's fiction kind of trope. Okay. And the reason why I say that, and not necessarily trope, but it falls more under a woman's fiction kind of story. And the reason why I say that is because in a lot of those instances, if you'll notice, there's always tension, there's always issues, there are always 
like getting together, breaking up, getting mm-hmm. together, breaking up kind of thing. Um, I will say this, when Black Panther came out, of course, I, I did not, I, I did a little research because, you know, I knew about Black Panther, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we're getting into his world you know, we're actually going to Wakanda and I wanted mm-hmm. to know everything that I could possibly know. And um, before that movie came out, that's when I found out that he and Storm were married. Mm-hmm. And um, did they get divorced in the comics? Um, I think it got annulled is how it annulled. worked out. Yeah, okay. because there was, yeah. the, it was Something during happened. the, um, it was okay. during the X-Men uh, Avengers versus X-Men event. And that's when they had like this hard split at that point. Okay. Yeah. So, but of course at the time, well, of course at the time, Black Panther um, was MCU and of course X-Men is Fox and mm-hmm. Fox had not, you know, done that deal with uh, Marvel, Disney, whoever they are now. Right. <laughs> And, um, you know, we weren't all like, you know, wonderfully excited about that. So I was a little bit disappointed kind of going into Black Panther as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. What disappointed about anything else about Black Panther? I, I will just say that is like one of those once in a lifetime, wonderful mm-hmm. watershed moments. I just, I went to the theater, saw it twice. That's the <laughs> only movie, that's the only Marvel movie that I've done that with. Okay. Um, and I just, it, it was just amazing. But that was the one little nugget that I was like, oh gosh, you know, because of course, you know, he has this kind of burgeoning love interest thing. And it's like, well, it's not with Storm. <laughs> so I want to see. And plus, you know, I'm like I said, I, I grew up on X-Men mm-hmm. and Storm, is just like one of my favorite characters. You know, she is my favorite. She was my favorite character kind of going in there. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as love interest and as far as relatability, I love Rogue and Rogue and Gambit. Mm -hmm. But as far as a solo character, Storm was it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of that was about representation, but, um, but, you know, she was everything. And I was like, Storm and Black Panther getting Mm -hmm. together this has got to, I mean, I've got to see this on screen, you know? And so um, I was, you know, I was a little bit disappointed with that, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of like excited for that. Mm-hmm. But in general, like the whole two superheroes kind of getting together, it's almost for us romance authors, it's almost like two alphas coming together and that's not gonna work right right two alphas coming together is not gonna work because they're they're both controlling they both want things their own way there's gonna be problems and more often than not there's not an hea so if it's not an hea it's not a romance if it's not a happily ever after it's not a romance and so that's why i put that more as a women's fiction kind of thing because Women's fiction is very much about character emotional arcs mm-hmm. and characters being in one place in the beginning and then having these series of events and things happen where they end up in an emotional other place. Mm-hmm. And 
that other place may not have a happily ever after. Right. And so that's why I feel like that's more of a women's fiction kind of thing. It's more of a relationship. In other words, some people say relationship fiction, mm-hmm. but that falls under women's fiction. Okay. Um, and it's because of all the kind of issues that that go on between superheroes that kind of get in the way of keeping that happily ever after together, mm-hmm. you know, or just it's just holding on by a thread kind of thing. Right. Um, I, I you know I like that dynamic, of course, but you know as for the romance part of me it's not as kind of juicy but it's very much a real thing it's like real life you know it's kind of like these people have issues they have powers and they have issues it's like dog (laughs) if i had powers i'm still gonna have issues Mm -hmm. but hey i can relate to this you know (laughs) um you know some other ones that kind of come to mind that um that I kind of think about, um, and I'm, you know, it's not necessarily done in the movie. Well, yeah, it's kind of done in the movies, but like the whole Fantastic Four, Invisible Woman, Mr. Fantastic, kind of that, those kind of issues happening. Um, You know, obviously the Batman, Catwoman thing. Mm -hmm you know, being the most famous, those kind of issues happening. Um, again, I'm, I'm all about, um, you know, seeing Storm and Black Panther. I, I, I actually want to see that happen. I want to see that happen. I want to see, I actually want to see a HEA. We need to go mm-hmm. away from the comic. Let's, let's not have that marriage annulled. I, yeah. I want to see an HEA for that one. Well, unfortunately, it may not get in a <laughs> movie for a while now that uh, yeah. Chadwick's gone. But Exactly. And, yeah. you know, um, you know, as far as... And although there the is a, they're there, going for that, they're actually, what, trying to do a female Black I believe, yeah, I believe. Yeah. I mean, nothing's been confirmed yet. And yeah. Letitia Wright has all that anti-vax stuff coming out about her now. So... So yeah. who knows what's going to happen with her? Right. But, exactly. Um, but the, if even if they do a female Black Panther, they they could still do Storm and Black Panther because you may not know this, but Storm is actually bisexual. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. that would be so awesome. <laughs> in um in the eighties X Men books, she went punk, right? She you know she went full on punk, and that was because uh-huh. you know had the mohawk and everything, and. Um, and one of the things is she had this, um, did you see the Wolverine movie? Yes, I did. The one in Japan? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. So Yukio, I think I did, yeah. so Yukio from that movie, the one with the colored hair, uh-huh. the character from the comics. And, um, she's very much kind of like this, um, this freewheeling mercenary type of character. Right. Very much okay. kind of like live fast, die young character. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, originally, you know, this friendship slash relationship with Wolverine. But then she became acquainted with Storm in the 80s in the X-Men books. And they had a whole there was some very strong subtext going on there. And I think the comics have finally confirmed that she is, in fact, bisexual. And, you know, you bring you bring this up and this is kind of this kind of diverges a little bit from tropes. But I, I did want to kind of talk about like that, 
the whole representation, the whole LGBTQIA plus representation and how that's making, um, you know, especially even from the indie, the indie romance author perspective, mm-hmm. that's kind of where you see a lot of that happening. And, um, you know, it's, it's becoming a thing, you know, it's becoming, you know, more prevalent. I wouldn't necessarily say a thing that's, that makes it sound like a fad, which is not, mm-hmm. it's, it's about being represented. And it's one of those places that up until now was underrepresented, I felt, right. I felt in romance, um, and, still and, underrepresented. And underrepresented stuff, yeah, in fiction. Right. And that's what I was gonna say. And it's and it's also very much underrepresented in superhero stuff mm-hmm. because you have the soup, you know, if a superhero character is male, he's very male, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, and that's why I say when, you know, when two superheroes get together, it's very alpha, right? Because they both have kind of very stereotypical, you know, male kind of, you know, whatever. Um right. And then, you know, if there's a character that's female, it's, it's very, she's, she's has at least some kind of sexualized, whatever it's Mm -hmm. stereotypical, sexualized, very female. So there's, and then when they get together, it's been male getting together with female, always heterosexual kind of, kind of couples there in, in the big movies, the big TV shows. And I'm assuming also in the comics, but it sounds mm-hmm. like in the comics that they're making that turn as well. There's been traditionally that's also been the case. There's been some because they couldn't, they they weren't allowed to, you know, come out and be explicit about stuff. Yeah. Uh, but there were hints of stuff in some of the mostly I come from X Men background in the comics. That's where I'm most familiar with. But there was definitely some hints like um storm and yukio was one obvious one another one was um mystique and destiny um and in fact not Mm -hmm. only uh lgbtq but especially uh but trans as well because um you know in the comics mystique is nightcrawler's mother Um, right and what chris claremont's original idea was is that mystique and destiny were going to be Nightcrawler's parents and Mystique was going to have the ability because of her shape-shifting to switch genders. So Mystique was intended to be uh, a trans character was what his original intention for her was. Wow, cool. And see, and if anywhere that you could do that, it would be in a superhero com- It would right. be in a yeah, comic. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there's this, you know, and, you know, me being a Trekkie, you know, there's a, a lot of that, a lot of, uh, what do they call it, flash fic mm-hmm. um, that happens. And that's where you see a lot of, up until uh, Star Trek, I guess Star Trek Discovery, there's a married, there's a married male, mm-hmm. uh, gay male married couple on Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but up until then, and Star Trek Discovery's only been out for what three, four years. Yeah, and I think now. also um the Star Trek Into Darkness. I think they established that Sulu and that has a husband. Right. Um, yes, yeah. they did. They did say that in Into Darkness, and um, you know, but up until then, it's it's just been you know up until kind of very recently, right. It, it's been very heteronormative, very, you know, 
gender specific, you know, male, female. And I'm thinking you have people that have powers. You have people from other planets or, you know, Mm -hmm. humanoids from other planets. You have, you know, people that can do different things, shape shift, all of these kinds of things. And you haven't as much as you explore the human condition, because that's really like you were saying, you know, comics are soap operas right. <laughs> a lot of times. And that's because and in romances do this well is because you know it's you can explore the human condition with the soap opera. Right. You know, you can and and with you know, and sci-fi as well, you know, Star Trek as well. I mean, it's really all about the human condition and about uh, things that humans struggle with, Mm -hmm. but they can't seem to get past because they can't seem to see past it. So why not do a superhero version of this where we just take this out of Earth, we take this out of whatever, or we just, you know, make an alternate Earth or... Uh, an alternate universe and you know we deal with this and Mm -hmm. for them to have um that blind side that lgbtqia plus Mm -hmm. blind side is um up until now is is amazing to me right so even if that happens a black panther uh storm connection and they're both went oh yeah i'm down for that <laughs> all right uh one last trope i wanted to talk about was um about the idea of fridging uh you know the whole women in refrigerators trope uh do you know what you know about this i do not know about this okay Explain. so this is um this is a trope that comes from superhero fiction from the comic books and it was coined um by gail simone who's a comic book writer herself um and the name comes from uh, back in the early 90s, it, the, the Green Lantern, uh, one of his villains killed Green Lantern's girlfriend and stuffed her body in his refrigerator. And, and the whole idea, and so that, would be, that was the name of the twelve women, women in refrigerators, fridging as the shorthand for it. And uh-huh. it's been used to describe any time the, the woman in the superhero's life ends up being killed or maimed or something in order to motivate the hero to action right okay yes yeah yeah and i mean you can see this i mean this is obviously an extension of the damsel in distress trope right exactly exactly yeah Yeah. and you know it's so frowned upon right now in romance that whole damsel in distress the whole rescue thing Mm. i'm not gonna lie i write it all the time For me, and and I and I will say this, this is just kind of personal for me. For me, um, the whole damsel in distress thing for me is a little bit of kind of escapism for mm-hmm. me. You know, um, I am a black woman in America, and a lot of what we deal with is the whole stereotype that we are independent that we are super women that we can do it all of ourselves right but no we are not superheroes even though i love a superhero i am not one Mm -hmm. and so it would be nice to have that moment where i could just you know if things get to me i could be rescued that's a good point i never really considered it that that's a very good point yeah 
I, you know, I'm kind of all about that. Mm-hmm. But I would not want to be killed just to motivate a superhero. <laughs> so, you know, the the other side of that, kind of the martyr kind of side of that for on the superhero side of things, it you know, it's good it's a good character as far as a woman's fiction kind of novel goes, it's a good character thing. It's 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 done all the time. Mm-hmm. You will see that happen that whole trope happened often. Um, A character has had a serious death in the family and they have to figure out how to get over that, Mm -hmm. you know, or how to, um, how to move on, what the family dynamic is going to be after that, who they are after that. You know, it's not necessarily a a romance trope it's mm-hmm. very much a women's fiction kind of theme and as far as parallels go okay um but the damsel in distress um is very much a romance um romance trope and it's very polarizing mm-hmm. and for me um I feel I feel ambivalent about it to be honest the, mm-hmm. the as far as superheroes go you understand why they have to do it you understand kind of what they're trying to do um but I would say not at the expense of their mm-hmm. love interest yeah yeah uh, which a lot of times is a woman you know mm-hmm. it's a lot of which is you know that whole thing it's it's a lot of times it's a woman and it's the it's a male superhero and he's got to and that's how he's got to kind of deal with things and you know it's not just weakening for it's not just you know putting the woman in the bad in a bad light it's like wow this is what this man has to go through to kind of mm-hmm. be this superhero you know that's right right yeah yeah kind of weak you know mm-hmm. um and i think but, um to mention the Amazing Spider-Man movies again, because obviously they had Gwen Stacy dying in the second one, but one of the things I think they did well is she has a lot of agency up until that point, right? She's helping him yeah. in both movies, like try and find the solution to the to to stop the villain. I think that really helps the whole damsel in distress thing go down a lot easier when obviously, you know, if she's going to be in danger she's going to need the superhero to come save her but but right. but having her do something and have some contribution i think makes a big difference yeah yeah right exactly and i think the 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 one the one area where is it's very it's most poignant but it's probably the worst um the worst representation of it is in um i can't remember which christopher reeve spider-man it is but it's the one where lois is it's superman yeah. did i say spider-man yeah Sorry. <laughs> superman <laughs> it's late here it's okay um, <laughs> in in uh in one of the christopher reeve's supermans the one where you know lois is crushed in the car and he you know reverses time. He goes reverses back in time. time yeah 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 so that to, that's to, uh that's the first movie the first one okay. yeah yeah 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> but for me, that it, it's almost like she was just an accessory, but she was enough of an accessory for him to, you know, so part of me is like she love uh he loves her that much mm-hmm. to have to go, you know, reverse time so that she can live, right? But at the same time, it's like, why? Why did we do this? Mm-hmm. You know, it it's it's fraught. I'm you know, that that's the that's one of those tropes that is just for me, it, it's just really fraught. There's some and that death scene actually yeah. in, in Superman the movie, that death scene is actually pretty gruesome. Like they It is. It is, it is I mean, very it, gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for it to be, you know, those movies were, you know, supposed to be family movies and um you know, and of course, you know, it's back in the day where, you know, the threshold is is lower. If something right. is PG-13 or PG, which I think that was PG, I think. That was PG, yeah. yeah. Yes. For something to be PG, that was really PG, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and for that to happen in a family PG movie, yeah, that, that was very gruesome, yeah. you know, yeah. for that to happen. Yeah, you're right. It's... <sighs> it's just it's fraught it's very fraught um but then um and then when it's done when it's done well you're right the 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 damsel that's in distress can get herself out of distress until she really can't and you're really like rooting for uh you know the superhero to come in and save her Mm -hmm. but because you already have this you already have this feeling of she can, you know, she can do almost anything, right? You know, right. herself. And so when it's done well, it's we respect the love interest, mm-hmm. you know, before that damsel in distress moment happens. Yeah. Um, when it's not done well, like Superman the movie, it's like. Lois almost seems weak there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like she's just riding in a car, you know. And it, it and undermines a lot, especially a character like Lois Lane, who's such a strong character in she general. Is and exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like she's a strong character. And even in that particular movie, she tries to 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 portray that she is, mm-hmm. right? By being kind of a loud, you know. I'm a loud New Yorker. I'm, you know, I'm kind of boisterous, right? right. You know, Metropolis. Excuse me, Metropolis. <laughs> um, I mean, that was basically New York, though, in that movie. Yeah, right, exactly. It was New York. <laughs> so, um, you know, she's trying to be that, but that whole scene just undermines everything. And it's right, because right. that scene is so powerful. It undermines everything that she is in that moment. Yeah. And so she loses all that agency. Um, so I think, you know, when it's done right, it can be very romantic, mm-hmm. right? Because you're respecting and you're rooting for these people and it works. When it's not done right, it just feels like this love interest is just an obstacle to get the superhero 
to the next place, right. right? To be a better superhero or to be a superhero, go from being trouble to being a superhero, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And getting that agency. Okay. Um, this has been a great conversation. This has been a lot of fun. So uh, do you this have any- This has been fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> um, <sighs> do you have any final things you wanted to say about uh, romance and superhero stories? I just want to say that they're a lot alike. <laughs> they are, yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, you shouldn't dismiss them out of hand. There's just, there's something about having that romance element in a superhero movie and a superhero story that just kind of, it just kind of brings that realness. And it, it, it just brings that, you know something it just brings Mm -hmm. that personality to everything right um you know and then there's some relationships in superhero movies and superhero stories that you know you could see a a romance happening Mm -hmm. but romance doesn't necessarily happen now it may happen in the comics but doesn't necessarily happen on screen right i'm thinking about a a thor valkyrie kind of moment oh yeah yeah and those kinds of things, they just sizzle when they work. Mm-hmm. Because it's really all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's all about relationships and about connecting to that character. Well, Liam, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. This has been a fun discussion. Uh, do you want to plug anything before you leave? Well, right now, um, I do have, actually, um, if you're signing up for my newsletter on ymnelson.com backslash subscribe, you will get a copy of Star Date, which is my Star Trek geek romance. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so um, just go to ymnelson.com backslash subscribe, and you can get a copy of that for free. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And um, anytime you want to come back on, we'll talk about a movie next time, maybe. Yeah, sounds good. I'm all for it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, That does it for this episode of Superhero Cinephiles. Superherocinephiles.com is the website. And we are Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, the Superhero Cinephiles group on Facebook. Please make sure to like and subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you'll get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.